Welcome to episode 1 of season 4 of the We Move Experience podcast, the podcast where you learn practical and effective ways of dealing with setbacks on your path to success. I'm your host, Dumelo Beani, and on this season premiere, I'm joined by Langa Sogiti. Langa is a podcast host and Formula One expert. You can listen to him on his show, the DRS Open podcast, alongside his co-host, Duame. On the show today, we spoke about F1 as an elite sport and how its appeal has exponentially broadened since the 2020 championship. He also shared his views on starting a podcast on a very specific topic and how it can work in your favor in reaching your preferred audience. Lastly, he explained more on what it potentially means for South Africa to be on the list of possible hosts for F1 races in the near future. Hope you enjoy the episode. Today we have a very special guest, um, special in the sense that he's also a podcaster and uh, in, in some sense is someone who's also into sports. But the biggest question that I want to ask him before we even start is, uh, is F1 a sport? I know it's a controversial <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can't believe I have, to, I, have to, I have to defend this. They are some of the fittest athletes in the world. Yeah. Um, some of the some of the training that they have to do, some of the most physically rigorous training of any sport I think in the world, and I think that's enough. Um, you know, it's obviously it, the elitism of it is 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 something that's you know you only have twenty drivers on a grid, and of those twenty guys, we know that access is a big problem because these guys are go karting from when they're eight years old. So if you don't have access to money from a young age, you know, you're almost automatically excluded from perhaps racing at that level. So it's sad. And, and you know, whereas a game like football, anyone can play it. You know, you, you literally just need, <laughs> I don't know, get some paper together and make a ball. You can do that. It's feasible. That's so, yeah. but yeah, no, it's a sport. It's a very, very proper sport. Trust me. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that, that was me being silly because living here in Germany, to be quite honest, um, they even broadcast esports, so people who are playing computer games are being broadcasted on on one of the the TV uh, channels over here. And I consider them a sport. And uh, clubs like your uh, Bayern München have have a really serious uh, esports um, department within their clubs. And to to consider F one not a sport would be silly because <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it, it really is. I think if we were to compare it to esport, I'd choose F one every day. But you know, the esport thing is actually really interesting. Now that you bring it up, um, the popularity. We had a really interesting situation last year where Max Verstappen. I don't think he was world champion yet. I think it was during the course of last year. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. he participated in... So there's a famous race called the Le Mans 24 Hours. Um, GT cars and, and all this sort of things. Um, and then there was an e-sports version of it. Where, so, I mean, it's a 24 hours, an endurance race. It's really, really difficult. And Max did the e-sports version. So you've got like the real life world champion, Formula One doing this on the esports thing and i think to myself dude like don't you have something better to do with your time <laughs> and maybe he just really likes racing and even if it's virtual i thought that was interesting yeah yeah and i think also the participation of um well-known uh, characters celebrities or sports clubs in in esports is what makes it a, a legitimate and people to trust that okay there is a future in it and 
whether we like it or not, the money is there. So if we, we can't recognize it, they will still get paid. So <laughs> we can't hate too long. Yeah, you can't hate on a guy getting his bag, man. I mean, it is what it is. Yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah. To, to take it back to you and podcasting and why I started with F1 is defining whether it's a sport or not. It's because on on your very first episode on your podcast, uh, DRS Open, yeah. Y'all just went straight into into the topic. Y'all just you really didn't even like start with the intro and <laughs> welcome us and let us know how the podcast started. <laughs> You're actually right. <laughs> we jumped into it and I was like, okay, these people are so into this sport that they don't have time to let us know what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, that's a wonderful observation. I, I've never actually heard that. That's cool. So was that like um, intentional or it was just that you just watched the race and had to let it out? Again, this is the first time I'm hearing this feedback. So you're making me think. Um, I don't think it was intentional. Um, uh, my, 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 my co-host who you know couldn't unfortunately not be with us today, uh, she and I um, sort of we met online on Twitter, I guess. Um, in fact, at the time that we started recording our podcast, we'd never actually physically met. We'd never physically been in the same room at the same time at that time. Um, she and I obviously have a really big passion for the sport and not just having a passion, but we support uh, two different teams. We support probably the two biggest teams in the sport right now, at least I think Ferrari will always be the biggest team in the sport, even if they're not currently the most successful. Um, so we support Mercedes and Red Bull. It's diametrically opposed. And um, there's been a really interesting sort of pattern in, in, in the support of Formula One. I think in the last sort of five, six years, it's become a lot more partisan than I've ever known it to be before. So what you find is that like a lot of people and different fan bases sort of like attack each other, not too, too different to, to other sports, but in a way that sometimes makes communication across the table quite difficult. But Wame and I found that we were able to sort of uh, reach our hands across across the table. Um, and, and I think the fact that, you know, we support different teams, we can have different views on the same objective sport. Uh, and she, you know, we're a guy and a girl. So there's also the gender dynamic. I think it's really important that we start to have more female voices in, uh, woman voices rather, in sports in general, but particularly Formula One. And so we just got into it. So maybe the consequence of us just getting into it, um, the first episode that we had dropped was probably after two or three demos, you know, because we were sort of like, can we actually do this? Uh, should we actually do this? And then we did one demos, two demos, three demos. And also at that time, it was Saudi Arabia, which was the second to last race of the season. Hugely controversial. Um, Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton at the time were neck and neck. It was... I don't want to bore the listeners with all this stuff, but like they were literally <laughs> level on points with something that has like never happened in the history of the sport, maybe once before, about 40 years ago, going to the last race. So we needed to get some stuff off our chest. Like yeah, yeah. We were not thinking about, oh, this is what we're trying to do. When, But I think also partly because we want to see this grow organically. I think over time, one thing that has become very apparent to us is that we do want to give a platform for for black women especially, uh, to have a voice. So one of our most popular episodes, uh, there were six or seven women uh, just talking, talking, shooting the breeze, as it were, about Formula One. I wasn't in the episode. Wame, of course, was. Our guests were mm. incredible. They, and, and I think 
you know, if we can inspire people, we've had guests who work in STEM um, and who work in Formula One. One of our guests uh, works at McLaren. Um, okay, not, not, not Formula One, but McLaren Automotive. We've had a pilot on the show, but these were black women yeah. uh, who we believe their voices must be heard. And they love Formula One, of course. It's not like, so, you know, just that's the common thread. That's the common thread. So, uh, but that's something that's become more organically rather than what we overtly set out to do last November. And uh, funny enough, I do not follow um, F1 and I might not like, maybe I'm mistaken, but I think your episode had an influence at in me watching actually that last uh, that last race of the of the season because I was like everywhere I open my phone it doesn't matter which platform I'm on everyone is talking F1 is like yes I remember back when I was a kid I used to hate F1 because it stole uh, airtime for for cricket on SABC three that's correct yeah that's why I was like <laughs> I hate this it's just cars going around in circles I could be watching a game right now so so it's been really many years since I've really watched a, uh, a race and that race the last uh, last season's um, final race I made sure I watched it because the hype was just too much and I, I couldn't miss out and it did uh, live up to to the drama and <laughs> I think since then I keep an update from listening to y'all and also to just check online how things going this season. And it seems like things have not been as, um, it's very simple this season as to who won, who's winning. And I feel like it, it, does, it didn't leave up to, to the hype of last season. I was almost sold. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's the difficulty, right? If you joined the sport last year, like that's probably as good as it's ever going to get. Right. <laughs> so, so, so it's not going to get better than that. Like now we just need to, you know, we're sort of more in a, what would I call sort of more natural sort of season. Um, also, we've just had really big regulation changes in the sport. So um, they've, it's probably the biggest uh, fundamental redesign of the cars in probably 40 or 50 years. So <clears throat> that sort of shook up the field. And you can imagine like when one team or two teams get it very, very right at the beginning of a cycle, right? That can give them a, a huge advantage. We've, we've tended to see that throughout Formula One um, history. And so I think we're just seeing a little bit of that this year. It's a great sport. Um, it will continue to be a great sport. But yeah, um, 2021 is a season, you know, unlike anything I think we'll probably ever see again in our lifetime. Again, two drivers equal on points going into the last race. Uh, even to to a, to a non fan that that came across as like it was exciting and I think um one thing about um the sport itself it's already so exclusive to who actually follows it it's not for everyone but to then decide to start a podcast and share that exclusive content with with people and insight in it how like did you think about um who's gonna even listen to this uh, or did you know, I know enough people, I interact with enough people that they might be interested in these types of conversation or it was just something that you're like, you know what, uh, for me and my, uh, my co-host, we know that we have five or 10 people who will listen to this and for us, it's enough. We don't, we're not looking for numbers or how did that come about? I think that's a really interesting question. I don't know who we thought would listen to us. Um, Wame is way, way more popular than me. So I'm sure she, <laughs> she knew there were lots of people who, who would listen. Um, I think there's a couple of things. I think, uh, you know, because the popularity of the sport is growing so much, there are people who 
want to go out there and create content for and for content's sake and to grow their profiles and to grow their sort of um whatever's and i think that's perfectly fine i think that's perfectly legitimate um but wame and i have taken the opinion that we would uh rather have it sort of go more organically as it were because she and i believe in stories and i think what sold people about 2021 um, I've, be, I've spoken a lot about like the final points, but was the story. You have a black man, right, who has ascended to the pinnacle of the sport. He is chasing the eight ta- what would have been his eighth world championship, which would have broken Michael Schumacher's longstanding record, right? He's the only black man to have raced in Formula One. So that already is a compelling story in of itself. Mm. On the other hand, you've got this young boy who is the antithesis of Lewis Hamilton. He's very brash. He doesn't really... Uh, Hamilton's very suave. He, 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 he knows what he's doing. Every word that comes out of his mouth is very deliberate. Whereas Max uh, sort of shoots more off the hip. He sort of tells you what he thinks and he doesn't sort of really, in my opinion, care. So you've got these opposing people and then you've got these opposing teams. You've got Mercedes. You think about Mercedes, you think about the Daimler group, um, how... You know, it's all about the corporate image. Everything that you think about Mercedes-Benz, you know, mm-hmm. Mercedes-AMG embodies that. Against Red Bull, who is this maverick company, they go out there and they challenge Coca-Cola. They, 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 they create sports teams. They are sponsoring people jumping from the edge of the stratosphere. They're just like, they're cowboys, right? And yeah. this is this corporate thing. So it's just a compelling story. And I think uh, for Wame and myself, as long as we can keep telling the story and keep telling a story, then I think we'll be okay. Um, and whoever listens to that, I don't know. We'll see. And, but I think, but I do think people like stories. That's what that's what draws them to to things. It's not like you said. It's cars driving around in a circle. That can only be exciting up to a point. You need a reason to be invested into it. And in the same way, you need a reason to be invested in our podcast. Um, uh, or any podcast is what's the story that's being told because the the reason I'm asking this is because there's quite a lot of people who are thinking of starting podcasts and maybe some of the the hesitation comes from the fact that this is too too specific it speaks to just such a subsection of our society that um, maybe no one will listen to this and that's the reason why they don't start even though when you think about it once they get into it there will be people, and there's always people. And I'm not saying everyone deserves to start a podcast. I feel like <laughs> yeah, uh, everyone can start a podcast and decide afterwards. Like if, like there's if there's that edge that's making you like, I want to start this, and that's the only thing you're thinking about. I think it's worth giving it a try, and maybe after a few episodes, you're like, I tried it, I don't like this, and you're gone because it can be the reason that people don't start because they think this is too too exclusive to a certain group of people, and we all have proved that. You can talk about anything and as long as you enjoy it and you know that I am doing this out of my passion and I know that there's people who might, like, again, the numbers of who listens, it's, it's an outcome that comes with starting anyway. Yes. So that's what I, I picked up with, with what you guys are doing right now. I think so. I think there was a really interesting um, conversation that I once listened to the comedians. I know Dave Chappelle is not... Uh, <laughs> It can be slightly controversial, so if you want to edit this out, feel welcome. <laughs> <laughs> no uh, way, no uh, way. But, um, but Bill Burr made an observation where he says that Dave Chappelle, in Bill Burr's early days, uh, he 
they're both comedians, of course, and Dave Chappelle apparently went to him and he said to him, Bill, you've got something special, but the way that you do things, it's going to take a lot longer than some other guys. Some other guys are just going to hit it from the word go and it's going to be a bop immediately. Uh, sometimes certain things will be more of a slow burner. Um, and, you know, I think apparently Bill Burr did take sort of seven, eight years to really blow up into what we now know as this world-renowned comedian. Um, mm -hmm. And I think, you know, just understanding your place, understanding your moment, um, and don't lose sight of your own motivations. I think, and passions. If, 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 if you want to just be popular, and I'm, and I'm meaning that facetiously, if you just want the numbers, there's probably a formula for that. But you must also know that, you know, that means that you can get a little bit blown with the wind, potentially. Um, and I also think that... Uh, the content that the content then starts to become dictated to you but rather if you if you if you're conscious about what it is that you want to achieve uh that's really important because then you don't lose sight of that sort of end goal i think for me a lot of stuff that i do online whether it's a podcast um i tweet a lot i tweet far too much right <laughs> i i for me i take it more of like a diary like i know that you know, putting stuff out on the internet is leaving a digital footprint. And in 10 years time, I'm going to be able to go to my tweets and have a look at them. And hopefully I can laugh. Hopefully I can laugh at them and be like, hey, Langa, you're so stupid, right? Um, as opposed to me having, uh, you know, I wasn't, because I was sharing my thoughts at the time. And sometimes, you know, you're going to look back at decisions that you made as a human being or things that you've said or written down or whatever and be like, Ah, that was a bit silly. But then you also know when you can recognize that it was silly, that you have grown and that you're a better person today. And I think, you know, um, again, just figure it out, figure out why you're doing it. And once you know your why, the world's your oyster, I think. Yeah. And now you're bringing up two things uh, that I've thought about in like uh, past weeks, which is, first of all, when you spoke about comedians, I was like, are you familiar with the comedian uh, or singer comedian? Uh, uh, Bo Burnham. Yes, familiar, familiar, yes, but I, I wouldn't know that much yet. So yeah, so I've, I've been listening and he's someone who's really questioning how, how the internet functions and how we sometimes create content so that we make others happy, but we're not happy ourselves and so forth. So when mm. you brought up comedians and, and doing things with intention and knowing that I might look back and realize, oh, man, that's not who I am today, but it's out there and it's something that I can't hide and that's that's the thing and Speaking about Twitter, it's a space that is very volatile for me. I'm, I'm afraid to, <laughs> to express myself uh, fully there because I know that one tweet could be good enough for for people to, to not, like, people don't know you, but your, if your tweet uh, steps on their toes, it's on, it's on. But yeah, there's spaces where I can express myself like a podcast where I know exactly I can speak my mind and for, 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 the, for the reception or for, for the feedback to, to come to me, it's going to take a little bit of a while and you need to kind of have the energy to, 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 to express yourself, to get to me. It's not a matter of you can tweet immediately and reply to what I just said. Yeah. You wait for me to post, uh, to publish the episode. You will maybe have to email me to complain. It might be a long process rather than just, oh, I'm going to say immediately. So that's, that's a space I function better in. But yeah, um, another thing I wanted to ask is like, let's say you and Wame, for instance, did support the same team or did agree on more stuff, how would the podcast look like or sound like? 
Um, I've, I've actually thought about that a lot. And um, again, one of the things that we said um, or when we were just chatting ourselves was that there are a lot of podcasts out there that purport to be F1 podcasts, but then you have a lot of people who are agreeable and it tends to, and this is just my own personal opinion, um, it, it tends to become more of a fan podcast. So if you've got, a, if you've got four guys who support Ferrari sitting around making a podcast, um, that podcast will tend to focus on Ferrari um, and they will tend to be agreeable. And that's fine. That's fine. There's nothing, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Um, but like I said, the genesis really for, for me and Mame was more around the fact that like there's so much of that, especially online. It's, it's become more partisan, the sport, than any other time that I've known. Um, in, in my experience, I've been watching the sport for, uh, I've been watching for about 20 years, so that, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, you can try guess my age. But um, uh, in, up until maybe the birth of the Netflix series Drive to Survive, I, I, in my observation, I used to find Formula One fans were generally uh, united in their in their in their favoritism of or, or in their love of the sport, and then who you support sort of was a byproduct of that. Mm-hmm. It feels like at the moment, especially online, they wear their hearts on their sleeves about their team more than anything else. And again, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that, but it's just an interesting observation about how people support the sport and again i think Wame and i want to just remind people a little bit that like you can have conversations with people who you disagree with um and still really really love them and have you know a great conversation and sometimes you know Wame will often comment do we watch the same sport like because you know we'll be talking about the objectively same thing and have wildly different views on it you know, but we're not going to swear at each other and we and we don't, you know, sort of slam the phone down and we're angry with each other. In fact, we'll probably go have a shooter afterwards together. Um, yeah. Like, you know, that was fun, uh, you know, and then enjoy the race next week. So I um, we, we didn't want to look like something that was just people who are being generally agreeable. Not that we built it on disagreement, but, you know, again, a guy and a girl supporting different teams, different drivers, generally different views. I think it can make for some interesting conversation. I don't think there's a lot of that within the F1 community right now. But but would you say maybe how people are, are supporting the the teams themselves and the sports uh, currently, it's because of how much the sport has went more than just the race weekend and what you see to, yes. you can consume the sport throughout the week, online and everywhere. Like, F1 used to be a weekend thing. It used to be on race weekend and it ends there during the week. I don't know if maybe in the times where you've been a fan, you've, you've had like conversations um, by the cop, uh, copy machine, conversation in school, conversations, you know, it's now something you can consume beyond just the races. And maybe that's why people are starting to be so divided and so strong on their opinion. I think that's a great, that's a great point. Um, one of the guests that we had earlier in the season is Kriya Gangia, uh, you know, one of the best sort of uh, broadcasters in South Africa, um, sports broadcasters, travel influencer, just a jack of all trades, lovely lady. And she made that observation that it used to be a sport that she would watch with like her, her dad um, as a young girl growing up. 
And that was that. Now it's everywhere. So you're so right in that observation. And I think it probably does play a role because um, I've got friends of mine, good friends of mine, who had no idea I watched Formula One until about a couple of years ago. And they'll be just like, when did you do this? I was like, because I used to leave you guys and I go to a bar and watch the race and then come back, you know, um, because people weren't generally interested in it. So I think that's a really good point that you make, that it's it's consuming everywhere. And I actually was tweeting about this. <laughs> of course, I was tweeting about it. <laughs> <laughs> I just I caught myself in a, in a, in a moment there. But ooh, so for people who, who enjoy football, they may be familiar with the name Fabrizio Romano. Uh, I don't know what to describe him as. Is he? Uh, I don't know. He just always has all the transfer gossip, right? He he knows the transfers before the 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 ink dries on the contract. And um, so so to give you the Formula One equivalent of uh of 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 the transfer window, it's so Formula One takes a break in the European summer, so it's always from the end of July to the end of August. Now, um, it's a total shutdown. Teams are not allowed to do anything. You're not allowed to go to work. People must just go home and be with their families, right? At least in theory. Um, so um, uh, teams moving, uh, drivers rather, moving from team to team and that sort of thing and contracts ending used to be a thing that was generally only discussed in, they call it the summer window colloquially because of Europe, but depending on where you are in the world, in that month from July, from the end of July until the end of August. Um, just two or three weeks ago, Fabrizio Romano of football fame uh, tweeted about a transfer of a Formula One driver. Um, and it was, uh, yeah, it doesn't matter who it was. And I remember thinking to myself, this is the beginning of uh, the 24-hour constant in-your-face consuming Formula One all the time. Uh, so Liberty... so. Again, just a little bit of background. Uh, Formula One, the F01 uh, media was bought by Liberty Media in 2017. Um, they are the company who are, who are responsible for the commercial rights and marketing of Formula One, right? So they are the company that uh, gave the green light to the, to the series Drive to Survive, which has you know, caused explosive growth in the popularity of the sport. Um, and... You know, we're seeing record numbers of races watched in terms of, uh, you know, people at the races in particular, but also online and watching it on TV and stuff like that. Liberty Media has driven that. But the, the consequence of this is now they're going to try and monetize everything. Um, and they're going to try and monetize the tweets. And like you said, uh, you know, the content online, it's, it's now a 24-7 thing as opposed to that weekend sport. And I think you're absolutely right. Um, I... I think I'm getting a little bit old. These sorts of things annoy me a little bit. Um, <laughs> uh, but okay, you know what? I mean, I'm not the only person who consumes the sport and enjoys it, so I can't complain too much. Yeah, I mean, uh, at the end of the day, um, the sport will evolve to to suit um, the current times. And yeah. as it changes, you'll probably see either new fans who have no idea what the sport is, liking it for what it has become and not for what it was. That's true. Um, sorry, you, you just sparked a thought. And I was actually having a really interesting interaction with someone the other day because um, it's weird. Formula One has this, you know, there's a lot of people like me, you know, the, who consider themselves all the heads and, you know, the wise all the heads of, of, of the sport. I mean, yeah, it's obviously joking. But um, 
you know, so you get people who want to enjoy the sport and can be really technical and difficult to follow. And so you'll have a lot of people just being like, ah, Tubelo uh, just joined the sport now. You know, he doesn't know anything. Like, you know, drive to survive. I have never seen this in any other sport or any other sphere of life. There's no one in the world who's ever asked me when I started watching football. But Formula One fans seem to have this thing of, ooh, when did you start watching F1? And someone would be like, oh, I started watching in 2018. Bro, who cares? Like, that's the stupidest thing. No one's ever asked me when I started watching cricket. Never, never in my life. Like, it's a weird Formula One thing. And I think people must just stop the gatekeeping. It's a very weird thing. Stop it. People want to enjoy the sport. They're going to enjoy it for different things and different reasons. And that's okay. I like cricket because of the mental aspect. I love test match cricket because I love watching people navigate a scenario over five days. I think it's, it's, it's the pinnacle of like sort of mental fortitude. It's also why I love Grand Slam tennis, right? Some people love T20 cricket and that is their prerogative because the, the stroke play that you see in that thing is amazing. And some people don't have the patience for a five hour Grand Slam tennis final. That's okay. Let people enjoy things. Like, just let people enjoy things for whatever reason that they want to do it. Yeah. So I had to get that off my chest. When, when you brought up, like, football, I was like, well, we still hate on City fans because you're like, where were you? At <laughs> but you know... <laughs> so, so <laughs> I guess in every spot, there's a little bit of element of, like, the new guys or the people who are just enjoying it now when it's blown up. That's fair. Don't, yeah, we, we gatekeeping. Let's just put it that way. Because also, I think, as a cricket fan myself, I like I would go five days to to that to the grounds and go watch a live game. Absolutely. And can't tell you the score because in most times I'm just enjoying the drinks. But exactly, that's oh, we should watch a test match together when you're when you've got time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's see. I'm com- I'm coming in summer. Like I'm coming uh, in January. We don't have a summer test. We're, we're away in Australia. But anyway, oh, it's fine. okay. That's yeah, that's, that's it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'll see you over time. Yeah, so just before we get into to, to this final segment that comes with um, five uh, thought-provoking questions, I wanted to ask you about something that I cannot speak about the podcast and miss, which is uh, the live recording you guys did, which was now famously known as Your Roast. <laughs> yeah, they were not happy with me. <laughs> How did... <laughs> Who came up with the idea and how was organizing it? Because, I mean, every single recording that I do is online with people at home while I'm here. I can imagine that there must have been a little bit of um, logistics to, uh, to take care of before it happened. Yeah, I think, you know, the first thing I must say, um, uh, this is a shameless plug, but ODD, um, OD Pro Labs, uh, he did the sound from start to finish. He listens to our podcast and is just like, how can I help you make this thing happen? He is mm-hmm. remarkable. Him and his company, I have to start there um, to, to, to record live in a venue that we, <clears throat> we until the day of the recording, we hadn't uh, been in. Uh, we sort of, you know, took our chances there. Um, for him to then, you know, we caught uh, people's sound bites of, you know, uh, going around interviewing everyone who was there um, after the race, he's brilliant. He's absolutely so. That's a shameless plug. I think he's brilliant. If you need someone for sound, OD Pro Labs, go give that man a give that man a shout. But in terms of organizing the live recording, so, um, so Formula One, for me um, specifically, has always been a family thing. Um, 
I uh, have often said this <laughs> and I joke. Uh, so people who watch the sport, Kimi Raikkonen is a great driver, retired at the end of last year. Um, circa two, around 2003 to 2007, he was blindingly fast. I've got a nephew, um, or a cousin rather, but he's a little cousin. Uh, I've got a cousin whose nickname is literally Kimi. <laughs> so I come from a Formula One mad family. And so the ritual, I would almost call it, of watching this thing together, um, having a lunch, having drinks together, um, has always been a part of my experience. And in the last sort of two years or so, it's morphed into something that we colloquially call F1 Sundays um, here in Pretoria. So, I mean, I'm, like, I will always like, make like a, like a poiki um, aunt's uncles, friends, cousins, a lot of very familiar faces, but there's always new faces who are around. And people would always say to me, especially people who would just visit us sort of once or twice, I'm talking about in my home, physical home now, um, they'd be like, you need to like make this a thing. Like, you know, people like, oh, can we come watch a race at your place? And, and this sort of thing. And uh, one dear friend of mine was here for the Silverstone race, uh, the British Grand Prix earlier this year in about July. And she said, Mchanam, uh, you've got to make this thing happen. And, um, and she doesn't watch Formula One at all. Uh, so she doesn't even, you know, but she was visiting Gauteng uh, from the Eastern Cape. And so I said, come around, we'll at least have good food. And she had a whale of a time. And so from that, we just decided, okay, how can we make this, this sort of really intimate vibe? We've, lots of times in winter, it's cold. We put in the fireplace. It's really intimate. And, uh, you know, Wama and I said, okay, fine. You know, we're going to try, keep it small. So about 30, sort of maximum 40 guests, um, inviting people who had been with us um, along the way um, and, you know, sort of, helping us to cover the costs and you know tickets and that sort of thing and we made it and we just made it work it was the most fun most fun thing to do and we definitely plan to do it in future um there's a after this podcast i'm having a conversation with someone who i can hopefully tell you about what the contents of that conversation will be after this afternoon um but uh yeah, that was that was special. And but what we what we always want to maintain again is that feeling because I think when we're here at home, it's intimate, it's fun. Um, we watch a race. We often have too many drinks together, um, which can be dangerous because it's a Sunday. <laughs> but um, that's the spirit with which we want that to be. We want to give this experience to people, you know, who because so many people um, watch the sport alone. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm rambling a little bit now, but I think one of the big reasons of the, for the sport's growth and popularity is that I think, and this is just my opinion, it was one of the first sports to come back during the pandemic. The pandemic starts, depending where you are in the world, March, April 2020, the world goes into hard lockdown. The first race was, I believe, in July... 2020 i mean no fans and and all that sort of stuff but it gave us a reason to watch tv and to get excited there was no football there's no rugby especially all these contact sports right um and suddenly people found community we were all in our separate places isolating living alone and we knew that every sunday 3 p.m we can you know turn on the tv and there's this online community that's 
growing and people are tweeting about this race and people are getting into it and they're getting excited about it. So um, I can't even remember the original point I was going to make, but uh, uh, I think I think that's a great, you know, that's so you want to give people that we want to give people that sense of community, that sense of family. I think it's just a fun thing. It's it's an expression of what I've been fortunate to have experienced through the sport for most of my life. I mean, what I get is that uh, the podcast recording was not the main reason why the event happened, but watching the sport together was basically yes. the main point and content was made from the experience, but yeah, I mean, you know, there was this one lady, I remember she said she came with her little sister and she's just like, we always watch alone. And I was just like, you know what? I am so happy that, you know, we can do this together and, you know, we'll chat and, you know, there are people at different uh, phases of their understanding of the sport. So, you know, people, the questions that you don't want to ask normally, you know, if you can create an environment that people can feel happy or free to ask those questions, um, you know, whilst watching his races, you know, what's a safety car or, you know, why is he gone in at this point in time? And you can sort of try and help people. I get a lot of shit wrong, but you know, we're, we're wrong together. <laughs> At least not wrong alone. <laughs> oh, I feel like the, the this uh, rapid fire question segment is going to be a continuation of what we've been talking about. Yeah, yeah. Because I have five questions for you. They were meant to be for you and Wama, but they, you could answer all of them, I think. Sure. So just jumping straight into it, it's like uh, the first one says the F1 is coming to SA next year. Yes. Uh, and everyone, I guess, is excited. So as a fan and to some extent uh, an expert, um, what are you expecting from it and how is it going to be different from us hosting the World Cup and at the end we still have a not so good national team and we don't see the growth <laughs> in the sport? I think there's, oh, I love this question so much. So first of all, unfortunately, we're not getting it in 2023, um, but we are very optimistic about 2024. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a couple of differences. Uh, Formula One is a repeat event right? So people come in and out. So unlike a World Cup where everyone came here for a month and then left, um, people would will keep coming back. I think that's a really interesting uh, potential um, for the country to see what they can do with that. Uh, in terms of the race itself, um, we're at high altitude. It'll be a little bit difficult to follow. Um, uh, it's a high downforce circuit. So if you're a Mercedes fan currently, a Red Bull uh, or a Ferrari fan, you're probably smiling at that, at that circuit, that layout in Kailami, which is fun. Um, but I think for South Africa more broadly to give us something that we can cheer about again uh, should not be underestimated. I think we, you know, we've had some difficult times. We are having very difficult times right now. Uh, and I think it will, it will certainly give people spirit, but that's not to, you know, sort of gloss over the stuff that's happening in the country more general. But um, if we can afford it, if we can pull it off, then I think we, we must do it. It will be, it will be so great. It'll be so great. Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Like really uh, yeah, the South African Grand Prix and, um, you know, it'll be the first time that that race has happened in democratic South Africa. So um, it must come back. Okay, so moving to the second question is, um, yeah, so I, I was trying to educate myself a lot before this uh, this interview, and I came across an article that says the F1 is considering an all-female championship of some sort. Yeah, yeah. And my thoughts there was like, uh, 
do you see it happening? And if it does happen a single championship for a year or a race or so, do you think it's something that they'll sustain? Because all the attention, just like in football, is really mainly for the guys and to, to open up for the, for, for the ladies is sometimes something that doesn't happen at the same rate or doesn't even happen at all. I think that's such a great question. Um, so it's important to note that although it is only men, there's no rule. Formula One is not a male sport, right? It's just mm-hmm. the consequence of how these things happen. If you think about it, right? Um, and I'm using this as a, as a facetious example. I hope people get this as an example. Mm-hmm. If you've got your eight-year-old boy, right, and your eight-year-old daughter, even if you have the financial means, because remember what we were talking about a little bit earlier, these guys are getting into go-karting at six, seven, eight years old, for example, which is already a huge financial barrier. I'm saying to you, even if you have the financial muscle, most fathers, right, and hopefully this will change, and, and parents are likely to give their daughter a Barbie doll And if the son wants to get into the go-kart, it's fine. If your little girl wants to get into a go-kart, you know, you know, some guys, some parents might be a little bit apprehensive of that. If it's a boy, they're probably less likely to do so. So there's a lot that society and at large needs to sort of reevaluate so that we can see more women naturally progressing to the, to the top step. So that's the, that's one part of it. Um, There was a series called W series. Um, which uh, the, your timing of this question is great. Just this last week, um, <clears throat> this previous week, they didn't race in America uh, because of lack of funding. This has been a series that has been happening for two years. It is exclusively for women. Um, and it is around, to my naked eye, about Formula 4 level. So broadly speaking, F1 is the pinnacle of the sport, F2, F3, F4, but there are many other sort of single cart sort of series. My naked eye observation is that Formula 4 is around, or rather the W series is around Formula 4 level. I think that the FIA, um, the Federation uh, International, the, the whatever, uh, it's, it's the auto body, <laughs> the regulator for, the, for, for motorsports um, globally needs to be more deliberate about creating pathways in which women can get to Formula 1. I think the W Series, from a structural point, was a little bit of a cop-out because they looked like they were doing something. But where I was always saying, where is this pipeline? Where do, where do the, what's the next step? When you're the, when you're the W Series champion, does that, for example, guarantee you a seat in Formula 3 or Formula 2? I think it should. But they didn't create that chain. They didn't make it deliberate. So the sport has a lot of work to do in terms of getting women involved. Um, society has work to do in terms of getting women involved in motorsport. And uh, I think, but this is not an insurmountable sort of thing. Jamie Chadwick, a lot of people will be familiar. She's, she won the, the W Series two years in a row. Um, lots of people think she should be getting a seat. She was a, a reserve, a test driver rather, for Williams in Formula One, uh, was it last year? So, but do I think that she will drive in Formula One eventually? I don't think so. Uh, there's a lot, uh, 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 my personal opinion, a, a young, fiercely talented woman called uh, Juju Noda from Japan. She's about 16 years old at the moment. I think if she gets the right backing, she could definitely, in my eyes, end up as a Formula One driver one day. 
but we need to be more deliberate. The sports needs to be more deliberate in how it creates those pathways for people to rise to the top. Yeah. Yeah. And you just made me think of something that um, just from the top of my head, when it comes to go-karting or kids who are already uh, being uh, put in the sport in South Africa, I only know two boys who are from celebrities, Anela's son and uh, Black Coffee's one of middle son or so who's yes. already doing it. But those, you can imagine, it's only boys and it's boys from wealthy families. Uh, wealthy families. So yeah, it's something that still needs work, I think. Yeah, but also, and I would also say this, um, what we must not lose sight of is that it's, although there are only, remember, there are only 20 seats, right? There are only 20 drivers, but the sport is huge, right? Like, um, what, what, one thing that this Drive to Survive has done, Adrian Newey is widely accepted as the greatest aerodynamicist of our time, right, in terms of building F F1 cars. He's the chief aerodynamicist that built the Red Bull car of this year, for example. Excuse me. And he's built many other sort of championship cars. There's absolutely no reason that the next Adrian Newey should not be a woman, right? So how do we create access in terms of the sport and reminding people that, and again, you know, for our podcast, this is why we in interview people like Beeftube because she, um, she's an engineer at McLaren and she was telling us about designing components for cars and like crash testing them, which is fantastic. Umba Liumatu, who's a pilot, right? There are, so, there are so many different ways to get into it. You could be a social media manager, right? You could be in marketing. We've just talked about the, the, the explosion of the sport. Um, and those are roles which should not on any shape or form exclude women or black people, right? And so, you know, but to create the awareness and the broadness of reminding people of how broad the sport is. Yes, we all want to be Lewis Hamilton, right? But unfortunately, there's only 20, you know, 20 seats available. It's, 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 it's tough. It's tough. It's tough. Yeah, it's tough. I get it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's something that needs work. And at least the minimum you could do, I think that you're really doing is speak about it and make sure that it's known that we are not happy with how things are looking and things could still change. Yeah, man, if you can inspire someone, inspire, inspire one person, then you've done your job. True. So the third question is to take you a little bit off of F1. And uh, it says that if, um, can you name three topics which you haven't heard maybe on a podcast or who, which you would uh, probably podcast about if F1 was not an option? Oh, for me? <laughs> for you, like, what is... Oh, that's a great question. I'd like, I'm... Uh, shucks, you only want me to stop at three. Um, I, yeah, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I, I, listen, I'm, I'm interested in a lot of things. Um, I'm interested, I'm interested in, I'm just interested in people's stories. I think we don't do enough of of just listening to people. Um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a great podcast called um, uh, Long Form, uh, which is basically interviews journalists and people who write like really long types of articles, but really getting to try to get to know who these people are. Um, and I'm not talking just about like celebrities. I'm talking about some really remarkable people who do some really amazing things. So I think if we hear more common stories, we might actually inspire people a bit more. I'm super interested in space, like it's nerdish and it's it's quite pathetic sometimes. Um, uh, so I think, you know, it, it would be a great way to, you know, also inspire people into the stems. 
generally speaking, but I, I, I love, I love that sort of content. And I don't think there's enough about it. And I think if you can make things relatable, I was sharing a thing on Instagram a few weeks ago. Um, there's this crazy cloud, right? It's this crazy looking cloud. It looks like if you were watching Game of Thrones or like Lord of the Rings, it looks like, I don't know, the White Walkers were basically like arriving. It is terrifying. And I thought to myself, if I was a kid in geography, that would be cool, right? Cumulonimbus is not cool. I don't, I don't care. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, <laughs> so I think more content around those cool things in space um, would be absolutely fantastic. And uh, a third one, it's, uh, so I know that you said I haven't heard of it, but um, a, a podcast I haven't heard of, but I think it's worth exploring. I think the history of South African music is something which we've not really documented as well as we could, and we're losing a lot of the greats. Um, there's a great podcast I was listening to this year. It's called Gallo Manor Music, which basically talks about the Gallo Manor studio and the many artists who have been a part of it down the years, and also just the evolution of music and collaborations of people throughout Africa over the last 50 years. It's a great podcast. I would plug them shamelessly. I've got nothing to gain from it and no financial gain. Yeah. It's just something that I love. Um, I think there we need to be very we need to be very deliberate about keeping stories. Oh, and the last one, I know you said three, but I said four. But I'm gonna give you a fourth one. There is a man, I'm not gonna name him for various reasons. There's a man in Port Elizabeth here in South Africa who um is a renowned criminal, right? But he went to jail and he uh, has, has come out. Now, my mother tells me how when he was a young kid, he's, he's about maybe 60 something now, um, he used to help out at my mother's home, right? So um, uh, he's a little bit older than my mom. So it would be a sort of thing of like, uh, when when the girls, my mother is one of two girls, um, and you know when the girls needed to be fetched from school, he would go fetch them. Um, he would help out her father. My her, my grandfather was a doctor. My mother's father was a doctor. Um, you know during apartheid times and help out at the surgery and that sort of thing. I think he's got a great story. He's got a you know that's like your South African proper mafia type stories and told in a really really cool way. Someone could grab that story. Woof! I would, I would, I would pay a lot of money to watch that or hear that in the podcast. It sounds like you know that like true crime is one of those yeah fields right now that's killing it. Where people want to know the people, like the person behind the crimes, and yes. also to find out, like not to normalize them in any way, but to realize that at some point they were not just what they're known for right now. Yeah, so. Exactly. People's stories are important. You yeah. to get them in their totality to not excuse what was done, but to get a bigger picture, get a fuller picture. Yeah. Oh, that's such a great question. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. So, so the fourth question, this one I kept, oh yeah. To, just so you know, these five questions are normally constant, but I tweaked these ones to fit F1 and how <laughs> okay, cool. talking to. Yeah, yeah. But this one, this one I kept anyway, it says if uh, we could switch roles and you get to interview me, what one question, question would you ask me? Oh, that's a great, that is a great question. Um, what inspires you? 
this might sound uh, very cliche because you just said it's really stories, like people's stories and finding out that um, th- one of the like one of the the, the podcasts that I recently uh, discovered is called um, Lesser Known Somebodies. When it started, um, it's, about, uh, it's from a comedian named, I don't know, his name is Amir. He's uh, affiliated with your Donovan Goliath and, and all of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Either way, his podcast is called uh, Lesser Known Somebodies. So he used to interview other comedians and other people who were in the come up and in the entertainment industry. But then his last season, he was in Cape Town for about a month or so. He decided to, to take his uh, podcast on the street. He would sit with a chair and with a sign that's written, um, uh, I'll pay you 10 rents to talk to me. And then he did like interviews with strangers that and paid them if they want the 10 rent, if not just had conversations with people on the streets. And that's a podcast in itself. And stories that you hear from people there, you're like, this is someone I never knew, would have never known if this person didn't yeah. speak to them. And they're super interesting. And I would... Like maybe I won't search them and still find out who they are, but they're really, it, it was one thing that I'd never tried. It's so scary because he just goes there. At times he has to change spots and go elsewhere because people are not talking to him. Uh-huh. Like, oh, that's amazing. That is something that is out of this world. And that's that's my podcast. It's like, it's based on, I yes, every now and then I might have someone who's popular on social media. I've interviewed someone who works for a national radio station, but the essence was, I know so many cool people that people don't know. Yeah, man, that's amazing. That's amazing. Oh, I'm also going to check out that podcast. That sounds amazing. That's straight up my alley. For the podcast itself, I really feel like I've met so many uh, cool people in my life, either in person, online, and so forth. And their stories uh, need to be out there in some way, and I have the means to do it. So oh, keep going, man. That's that's so That's so beautiful. And like I said... Um, you know, this is like an online diary. We're keeping these thoughts, and we, you know, I was just talking about how you know this 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 man, this gentleman's story needs to be recorded and 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 heard. And I think what you're doing is part of that process. You know, I think it, um, the value of this is you could listen to this conversation in ten years' time, fifteen mm. years' time, and um, and and just unpacking you know where 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 was i in my life at that point in time i was thinking about things in a particular way how have i changed um you know it's good yeah and the final question um normally the question is written uh finish this sentence the reason i cannot quit is because but right now i've switched it a little bit around it's like uh the biggest less life lesson i've learned from f1 is Every, every, oh man, this sounds depressing, but my God, (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, I think, you know, enjoy the moment and, uh, you know, Sebastian Vettel, it was almost prophetic in 2013, Uh, Red Bull at that stage looked untouchable. They were miles ahead of the field. Uh, They just won the fourth, their fourth championship in a row. Um, and Sebastian Vettel uh, was kneeling down in front of the car and he said, guys, don't take this for granted. Uh, these moments are not guaranteed. Red Bull would not win another championship for another eight years um, as a team after that. It was almost prophetic. It's, 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 it's like he knew, but 
and at that time they had they had walloped everyone. He broken every record. He broken the record for the most wins in a season. Uh, things change. C- things can change very quickly, um, both positively and negatively. Uh, but you just keep got to keep chipping at it. Just keep chipping at it, and you can reap those rewards. But yeah, you know, uh, I think that's the lesson that that F one has taught me. Things can change, and they can change fast. The cars. They, they hit top speeds of 375 kilometers an hour. They take some bends at, um, you know, uh, at speeds that I would be scared to go on the N1 highway at, you know, taking seriously 90 degree corners at like 145 kilometers an hour. These guys are quick. Life can change quickly. Yeah, uh, that's that's a very good note to end it on. And I think uh, going into this one, I was like, oh, am I going to exclude people who already know my podcast? But I guess same as how your podcast works. I enjoyed the conversation and there's so many things that you can relate to real life and more than just the sport. And thank you very much for joining me. Thank you for inviting me. I'm really honored and, and I love what you're doing. Uh, I think it's, it's, it's absolutely brilliant. It's important. And keep at it. Uh, you're very, very good at what you do. And I, I look forward to, to seeing where this platform goes. Yeah, thank you very much. And just in closing, uh, where can the people find the podcast and you in general as well? Yeah, DRS Open. I think on Instagram with DRS Open Pod. DRS Open. Uh, if you search the podcast, you'll find it in, <laughs> in some, in some uh, shape or form. My uh, Twitter and Instagram are both at, at underscore Langaman, L-A-N-G-A-M-A-N. Um, and, or maybe in a bar having a beer. That's where else you'll find <laughs> me, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, my mom. My poor mom. <laughs> I'm trying to save you. <laughs> no, I appreciate it. This was, this was, this was a lovely chat. Um, I hope I didn't ramble too much, but yeah, I, I appreciate it. Thank you. Cheers, my guy. Thank you very much for tuning in. Join us next week for another episode of the We Move Experience podcast.